What is happening, team? Welcome to another episode of the Thrive Forever Fit Show. I am your host, Jay Nixon. And as always, I appreciate you tuning in and giving me a little bit of your valuable, valuable time. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, you're probably staring in bewilderment at the fresh haircut that I just got yesterday. Um, thank you, Sherry, for knocking that out. So looking a little cleaned up on the top half. So for those of you guys who are listening, you'll just have to use your imagination. Today's episode is all about mentorship. I'm calling it my circle of mentors. This episode hit me about, I think it was yesterday, I got a text message from one of my early on in my professional career mentors. I'm going to share that with you a little bit later in the podcast. And it made me, it, it made me think about all of the different people that have had a hand in my journey. Some of them may not even realize their mentorship or their value in my life. And if they're listening, some of them aren't with us anymore. But those that are listening and, and those that are going to listen are going to find out um, maybe some intriguing things about how they shifted my life in a very, very positive and powerful way. So I'm going to share with you my journey of mentorship. And I think some of them are going to actually surprise you and maybe even shine a light on your life and make you reflect back at who some of your early mentors might have been. Because the truth of the matter is that early on in this scenario, early on in, in my life, early on in my mentorship journey, I didn't even know what mentorship was. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it felt like. And so the first three mentors that I'm going to tell you about, um, I was really even unaware of what the process was. It wasn't until later in life um, even now, when I reflect back on those relationships, um, I see the power of their presence in my life. So I'm going to start with my first mentor, um, who was my grandfather. His name was Floyd Cup. I wanted to be just like my grandfather growing up. For most of you guys that have listened to me for any amount of time or read any of my books or, or followed me um, for you know, social media or whatnot, um, you know a little bit about my story. My father was killed in a car wreck when I was five. And so my grandfather, uh, my mom's dad, Floyd Cup, was kind of my father figure um, from the age of five growing up. And I remember always wanting to be just like my grandfather. Funny little side note, I call my significant other Lori Babe. I very rarely ever even call her Lori. It just sounds weird coming out of my mouth. So I call her Babe. It doesn't matter. I mean, she's, she's even said, she's been in a room like speaking full of like, you know, 500 people before. And um, if I'm on the mic with her, I refer to her as babe. So very unprofessional, but it's just how I think about her. And I do that because my grandfather always called my grandmother babe. And I think that's where I got it from. And it's just something that has stuck with me. And, you know, I think of her like he thought of, um, of my grandmother. And so that's kind of a special thing that I share with him, even though he's no longer here. But I wanted to be like my grandfather ever since I can, I can remember. If, you, if you've ever been inside, this is a weird story again, if you've ever been inside of my vehicle, if you've ever ridden in my car, you've probably been amazed at the cleanliness of my car. My car is never dirty, especially on the inside. You'll never find trash in my car. You'll never find a wrapper in my car. You'll never find dirt on the mats of my car. You'll never find, it, it just, my car is always clean. And I got that from my grandfather. I remember he used to always wash his car almost every weekend. And he said something very valuable to me. He said, you never know 
who you're going to give a ride to. It may be somebody that has a really um, unique opportunity to be influential in my in your life. And if they get in your car and it's filthy and gross and disheveled and there's wrappers and bags and trash and smelly gym clothes and this and that, they're going to think that you don't have much pride in who you are. He said, so a clean car shows that you have pride in who you are. It shows that you take things very seriously and that you take care of things. And so from that moment on, I used to help him wash the car. Like I would get the hose, I'd do the sponge and the tires and everything. I remember growing up, my grandfather always had the cleanest car. And I have, I've brought that into my life today. And it's bigger than the cleanest car, right? It's bigger than the interior of my car always being clean. What it taught me was the value and respect that you show to the things that you have in your life. My grandfather was a roughneck. He worked in the oil fields. My grandmother worked in a sewing factory, um, but as far as I can, as long as I can remember, she has been retired. So my grandfather supported um, the entire family, three kids, my mother and two of her brothers, uh, being a roughneck in the oil industry. I remember he would come home from work sometimes when we happened to be um, at their house, and he was so filthy and so dirty and so covered in oil and soot and smelled like gasoline and everything that my grandmother would make him take his clothes off in the garage and hose down with the water hose out back before she would let him in the house. So that I probably got a little bit of that cleanliness um, aspect from my grandmother as well. But I just remember those unique moments about working hard. And I think also my grandfather was responsible for my love of fitness, my love of weights. You remember those little hand grippy things like that you used to put in your hand and you would just squeeze them back and forth? My grandfather always had one of those. And I remember he gave me one when I was a little kid. I couldn't even squeeze it. I used to take me both hands to squeeze that little thing and I could, I could barely even do it then. But I remember if he was sitting in his chair watching TV, he was always squeezing that hand grip. He was always doing something. He had the old school weights in the garage, the ones you know you fill with sand and they were plastic but he used to always be out there pumping iron. He had the biggest arms and that was probably from being a roughneck, but probably from also from working out. Like my grandfather was always doing something physically active. I used to live out in the country when my, when my father was, um, was killed, we lived on a, a farm. And I remember my grandfather would come in almost every weekend and we would go walk the roads. Um, it was like a, a county country road, but it was like, you know, two lanes on each side. We would, we would put on ankle weights so you know those old school ankle weights, we put on ankle weights and we would go walk this probably 10 mile strip of road and we would pick up trash and cans on the side of the road. Almost every weekend we did this. And I just thought it was fun back then. I mean, now if you tell the kid, hey, let's go pick up trash and cans, they'd be like, there's no way I'm doing that. I loved it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'm gonna strap on ankle weights. Me and my grandfather are gonna go on a 10 mile walk and pick up trash that other people had thrown out the windows. And we used to recycle those cans and then he would give me the money to buy like shoes and things of that nature. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever, but everything my grandfather did, he, he wrapped a fitness component around it. Like putting on those ankle weights, like, you know, getting the, like a weight vest. Like he was always doing something unique and interesting like that. And he supported me and, and got me to where I am, I believe today, not through a lot of words. My grandfather wasn't a man of many words, but he was a man of massive action. He was a man that showed up and loved his family so deeply and so uniquely. 
in the way that he took care of everyone that I just, I hope that I can live up to that level of, of love and, and taking care of humans because I, I know that I got it from him, but he was a man of few words, but his actions were always that of, of awesomeness and leadership and mentorship. And I got so much value Looking back now, I mean, my grandfather was an amazing human. I wish he was alive today that I could tell him all these things because I missed that opportunity. Um, but I know he's, he's listening and I know that, that he knows that he was pivotal in my success. I don't believe I'd be who I am today without his um, just quiet leadership and quiet action. Um, moving on to my second mentor. Several years later, my second mentor was one of my high school coaches. His name was Clyde Evett. So Coach Evett was very unique from a coaching perspective. I've, been, I've played sports my entire life. He's probably the most pivotal, influential coach that I had, and he was only my coach for two years. And I remember some very unique stories about Coach Evett. I remember it was he came to my, my town um, the summer before – my sophomore year of high school. So he was my high school football coach, my sophomore and junior year of high school. Um, and he came to town, he became the head coach that summer. And we knew going into football season, he was going to be the new head coach. I remember him finding me at the July 4th. How do I remember this? I have no idea. I remember him finding me. I grew up in a very, very small town, guys. So if July 4th was like everybody went to the park and they shot off fireworks and there was hot dogs and weenie roast and you name it, the whole, you know, Mayberry type of thing. I remember him finding me and having a conversation with me. And remember, I'm, I'm, a, I'm between my freshman and sophomore year in high school. I'm a dummy. And I remember him finding me and, and telling me and asking me this question. He said, are you ready to be the best player you've ever been? Are you ready to, something of this nature, are you ready to, to have the best football season that you've ever had? He said, and I ask you that question because I'm gonna build my entire offense around you. He said, you're gonna be the star running back on our team. You're gonna be the one that we win or lose by. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, like this, I've never, you know, I don't know this guy. Like he's only heard of me and watched my films and play and blah, blah, blah. And he has so much belief in me. And that's really what this piece of mentorship is about, is about someone who doesn't even know you having belief in you that's bigger than that of yourself. And I remember thinking after that day, like, oh my gosh, like this, this coach values me so, so much. And I'm putting, these are adult words that I'm using. I was probably trying to articulate this as a, I don't even remember how old you are between your freshman and sophomore year. But he valued me so much and he had so much belief in me that he was, he told me, we're going to build an entire offense around you. And that's exactly what he did. And I remember I'd never, those were the two greatest years of my football career, my sophomore and junior year of high school. It wasn't because I got any better. I probably did get better, but it wasn't because I, I, I metamorphosized into this new player that I had never been. It was that someone believed in me so wholeheartedly that I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want him to be disappointed in his decision to give me that kind of position on a team that he was in charge of because he could have picked anyone, but he didn't. And so I felt this obligation to be my very, very best self. And the piece of mentorship here is that sometimes a mentor sees more in you than you see of yourself. 
And a great mentor can bring out that level of you that you didn't even know existed. And another reason why this man was my mentor is because um, um, after my um, junior year of high school, I needed a full ACL reconstruction. Um, my knee was blown out. Um, I needed to get it fixed before the next season. He knew that I, you know, my mom was putting herself through, through um, nursing school. I was home, you know, didn't have any access to like go to visit doctors and things of that nature. And my mom could have easily taken off and done this, but he stepped up and became almost a father figure. I'm going to try not to get emotional during when I talk this story. Um, he became like a father figure in my life. I remember he took me to, I want to say over 10 different doctors to find someone who would do the surgery on my knee. And the reason he took me to 10 different doctors is because my knee was in such a bad shape that several of the doctors we went to didn't, weren't confident enough that I would be able to play my senior year of football. And I remember talking to coach and I said, coach, I can't let someone who doesn't believe that I'm going to be able to play do the operation on my knee. And I remember him saying, son, I understand. And we're going to find you that right person. And he did. Um, gosh, this is weird. You don't even, you don't think you're going to get emotional when you tell these weird stories from like years and years and years ago. Um, I'm going to rein this in and pull it together though, I promise. So guys, I'm not talking about like, he didn't take me five minutes down the road to a doctor. We lived in a little town called Cisco, Texas. He drove me to Dallas, Fort Worth to see TCU's head athletic trainer and head surgeon to see if they could do the surgery. He drove me to all these different major colleges to meet these, um, these, head, these surgeons that were operating on athletes all day long. And finally, we drove from Cisco, Texas to Lubbock, Texas, which was like a 10, I can't remember exactly how long, it was probably a 10 or 12 hour drive. And we found a doctor who believed that he could fix me. He could fix my knee and enable me to be able to live out my dreams of playing my senior year and then playing into college. None of that, none of that would have been possible if he wouldn't have, have taken that level of mentorship in my life. I would have just went to the local doctor who was 45 minutes away and got the same surgeries. And a buddy of mine had, had done that. And he had had so many problems with his knee surgery because the, the head guy did his surgery in the closest town to us. Our town didn't have a hospital or, or anything of that nature. So 45 minutes away is where you would have to go. And I remember thinking, I can't let that guy do surgery on me if he wasn't even able to fix my friend Bradley's knee on the first shot. And Coach Abbott knew that and he understood that. And he took me all over the, the state to find the right guy. And that's what mentorship is, guys. It's somebody who, who takes you under their wing and, and allows you to be something that you probably wouldn't have been. And I was a kid. Like he didn't have to do any of this. He wasn't my dad. He wasn't, he had no obligation to do that. That's what a great mentor is, is they do things out of, out of the, the love and respect and connection they have with you, not out of obligation. That's what was so powerful about this mentor. And I didn't know it at the time. I had no clue what was going on. I probably didn't even value it like I should have, which is shame on me as a kid, not knowing, um, the value of what I was getting out of, out of someone who was speaking into my life. I could talk about coach forever. I'll move on. Um, you know, and he also, he also taught me what it felt like to be a winner. He also showed me what winners do. Um, he showed me how winners show up. He showed me how winners play. 
He showed me how winners handle losing. Um, he was very pivotal in my life and, and for all of those facets. My third mentor is a gentleman named, and he, the, my third mentor is the reason this whole podcast is going down today. I got a text message from um, one, of my, one of my mentors. He, I don't even know if I've ever been told Steve he's one of my mentors, but a man named Steve Ricks um, gave me one of my first professional opportunities in the world of health and fitness and nutrition. Um, Steve sent me a text a couple of days ago and he said, Hey, I want to give you, um, just a high five and congratulations on having over a hundred episodes of your podcast. He's like, I've listened to every single one of them and, um, I'm proud of you. I mean, I got choked up when I got the text message. Um, I have a, I worked with Steve when I was in my young twenties. He gave me an early opportunity to get into the fitness and nutrition world in a big way. Um, I was, I put myself through school working at GNCs. I had always been a personal trainer. I'd always done that. But Steve was from Chicago and he came to Dallas, Texas, because as I've told you guys before, I used to work for the large, one of the largest nutritional manufacturers in um, the country. At the time, um, Optimum Nutrition, which is the company that I went to work for, that Steve gave me the opportunity. Um, we sold more whey protein in a day than most companies sold the entire year. So it was a massive opportunity, a massive company. And so Optimum was building a brand new distribution center in Dallas, Texas. And Steve moved from Chicago, that's where they were headquartered, down to um, Dallas, Texas to build this distribution center. And I was his first hire. I remember meeting Steve at a Starbucks. I think it was a Starbucks. I mean, I'm sure Starbucks existed back then. I didn't drink coffee back then, which seems crazy now because I'm a, I'm a fanatic. But I remember meeting Steve at a Starbucks, I want to say in like Louisville or somewhere bizarre. And given him my resume, a buddy of mine who worked in a nutrition store found out he was coming and somehow got my resume to him. And then this, 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 this kismic universal opportunity was presented to me. And I remember meeting Steve and he gave me my first opportunity to get into this world. I don't know where I'd be if he hadn't have done that. I don't know what I would have done. Give me my first opportunity. I was his first hire at the local level. And Steve and I basically built this entire distribution center. When I say built, um, you know, we, we, were, we did sales, we did everything. We drove forklifts, we packed boxes. I remember there'd be days and guys, we had a massive distribution center. I wanna say this thing was 30 or 40,000 square feet. And we were responsible for a lot of volume. The guys that we worked for were, were old school Italian. Um, I mean, I, I stopped very short of using the word mafia, uh, but that's how they ran the business. Like in an old school Italian family, there was no excuses ever. Um, it was just get it done and figure out a way to do it. So there were several days and it would just be Steve and I in an office um, and a receptionist answering the phones. It'd be midday and we would have processed so many protein orders and so many supplement orders that we weren't going to get, be able to get them out unless Steve and I took our, our, our suit jackets off, tucked our ties inside of our shirts and went and drove forklifts and packed boxes and unloaded semi trucks and stayed until late in the evening getting that done. And so Steve taught me a lot about the value of work as well and, and the value of doing everything. We did everything at that job from cleaning the toilets to selling all the products to packing the boxes to driving forklifts to doing everything. We set up the warehouse like we, we actually physically set up the actual warehouse. So it was it was everything that I love about everything that I do now. Like there's nothing in my life that I'm not willing to do. I'm willing to do the janitor's job and I'm willing to do the CEO's job. And I got that level of work ethic starting with Floyd Cup 
secondarily through Clyde Evett, and then down to my, my first professional mentor, Steve Ricks. Steve would do everything, right? And, and he led, Steve wasn't, Steve wasn't a giant vocal leader either. Like he was just an awesome guy. He had the ability to make you feel like you were important. And he just led by example, like he would do anything. He'd roll his sleeves up, he'd go get on the forklift and he'd go to work and you just followed him. Like he was, he was a leader that you wanted to follow. He was a leader that you felt comfortable following. And I remember several things about Steve, like we would be in a sales meeting and we would get our, we would get absolutely reamed by the owners of the company. It was two Italian brothers. Um, I mean, when I say reamed guys, it was like language that if you use today in a professional setting, it'd be all over social media. People would be crying. They'd be sued. They'd be kicked out of the country. I loved it. Didn't bother me a bit. Like I like to be coached hard and heavy, but Steve had the ability to not get flustered by that. He had the ability to insulate his people at the time, at the end of, at the end of our reign at the, with that company, I mean, we had, you know, I think over 10 people in our office, um, you know, massive sales, the whole nine yards. Steve had the ability to insulate all of his people from the chaos and the craziness. And you never knew that he was overwhelmed. You never knew that he had just got his ass chewed. You never knew that any of that. He just took it upon himself and he led with a very even kill demeanor. I asked myself to this day, and I, I used to, to make this joke, I'm like, what would Steve Ricks do in this situation? Like, how would Steve Ricks handle this? And one of the, fun, another fun thing about Steve is the man had a spreadsheet for everything. He was, the, he, Steve taught me the value of a spreadsheet. If you don't, if it's not on a spreadsheet and you can't analyze it and calculate it and sort it and, and color code it and do all those things, it just doesn't exist. So he was so organized and so all of those things, like Steve taught me how to be a professional. Steve, and I wasn't, I was a young kid, guys. I made a lot of stupid mistakes and Steve never punished me for those mistakes. He taught me how to not make those mistakes again. He taught me how to be a better leader. He taught me how to lead from the front by example. He taught me how to not allow my emotions to get involved in the process of leadership and of professional circumstances. And so, again, I wouldn't be in the position I am today in the nutrition and fitness world, over a hundred podcasts, my own supplement line, my own fitness studio, my own coaching and mentoring programs, if it wasn't for men like Steve Ricks. So Steve, if you're listening, and I know you are brother, uh, I wanna give you just a, a giant hug, man. I would not be where I am today, who I am today without you. And um, I love you, man, and I respect you. Um, like you can't even imagine. So thank you, brother. I really appreciate you. Moving on to my fourth mentor. And the, the, the news on this one is you've all had this same mentor. My fourth mentor was someone and something. I, give, I say someone because it feels kind of like a person. My, fifth, my fourth mentor was, was a time in life when pain and uncertainty became my mentors. I think there's a value in pain and I think there's a value in uncertainty. And if you're in the middle of those two things, you don't see that value. But when you come through those and you actually begin to learn how to utilize that pain and uncertainty um, as a mentor, as a, as a coach, as a leader, then they'll propel you to the next level of life. And what I mean by that is my fourth mentor being pain and uncertainty. 
I got to a place in a stage of my life when I, when I started to question everything. What am, who am I? What do I want to do? What am I doing? Am I doing this full-fledged? Am I all in on, what is my path? What is my purpose? Pain and uncertainty helped me figure that out. Coupled with my fifth mentor, which you guys have heard me say a billion, million times, I, would, I don't even know that I would be on the planet today if it wasn't for my fifth mentor. My fifth mentor actually turned out to be the most important person in my life. You guys have heard me talk about Lori um, to the ends of the earth, and I'll probably continue to mention her in every podcast or at least every other podcast. And so many of you are thinking, well, how can your significant other be your mentor? And it's very easy. Lori made me believe in myself more than anyone had ever believed in me. She believed in me more than anyone had ever believed in me. She saw things inside of me. And remember, I'm coming, she's, she's the one that helped me get out of that pain and uncertainty. She's the one that gave me certainty. One of the six human needs, guys, the actual number one, six, the number one human need is the need for certainty. And before I met Lori, I was at a time in my life when I didn't have certainty. I was in a vast amount of uncertainty. And if you've ever lived in that place of pain and uncertainty, you know the overwhelm and, and adversity that you feel on a daily basis. When I met Lori, I was at a pivotal junction in my life. And she gave me hope that there was something more out there for me. And I would not have I've said this a few times here, and I, I mean this about all of these people. I wouldn't be in the position I am in my professional, personal, any kind, of, any kind of life aspect if it wasn't for her. She made me want to be better. And that's one of the value points of a great mentor. A great mentor isn't just someone who tells you what to do. A great mentor isn't just someone who answers your questions. A great mentor isn't someone who just, you know, says, you know, epiphanal things and, and, and all that stuff. A great mentor makes you want to be better. Being around a great mentor makes you elevate who you are to the next level. It helps you identify who it is that you really are and who it is that you want to be. And then they help you grow into that person. And a lot of times that starts with them believing in you more than you believe in yourself. I tell that to my clients all the time. Most of my clients come to me and they don't believe in themselves as much as I believe in them. And that's not a hokey thing to say. That's not like a one-liner it's because I see their potential. I see their value. I see their self-worth. I see all of the things that they can't see. And it's not because they're not there. It's because their vision and their self-reflection is so clouded with pain and uncertainty, much like mine was. That's how I know where it is. That's how I know what it is. That's how I'm able to coach on it. That they can't see it, even if it's right in front of their face. And so one of the key statements I say to people that I do see this in is that I believe in you and I see your greatness. And I know that you're going to find that through this process of mentorship, of coaching. And so those first five mentors have been invaluable in my life. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the remaining mentors in a second, but I want you to be aware of what I'm telling you today. Mentors one through four, my grandfather, my coach, Stevie Ricks, and Lori were placed in my life. I'm sorry, not Lori. My, um, my grandfather, my coach, Steve Ricks, and pain and uncertainty. One through four were placed in my life through personal and professional circumstances. 
Number five just happened to be a last minute trip to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, which sometimes you'll find these people, the people that you need most in your life in the most unusual, unexpected places. I went to Cabo San Lucas to have fun with three of my buddies, drink some beers, do some stupid shit, and just get out of reality for a little while. And I met the most real person I've ever met in my life. Why am I so emotional today? What is going on? This is weird. Choke it down, man. Okay, I'm back. I met the most real and, and, and inspirational and important person in my life in a place that I shouldn't have met her, right? In a place, in a state where that wasn't what I was looking for. Thank God I was open enough. Thank God I had enough vision and enough insight to say, there's something ultra unique about this person. Don't screw this up. And so by the grace of God, the universe taking care of me, um, I was able to, um, you know, somehow get her to, I mean, get her to call me back, which is, you know, thank you, universe. I appreciate you. All right, back to the cast. So the remaining mentors I've had in my life, guys, and that I continue to have in my life are based on my decision to take a deep dive into my personal success journey. These are, the group is made up of extremely successful business uh, men and women who've paved the way for success in life in areas that I deem essential. And so mentorship, what I want you to understand is it grows and it evolves. All of you have had mentors in your life that you didn't even realize were mentors. Maybe now that you're older, maybe you do, you can reflect back on that. But I bet if you take a really reflective stance on your life, you can probably come up with two or three additional people in there that had a really powerful influence over you and probably positioned you to be who you are and where you are today. So that, those are mentors that I call through like through circumstances. The mentors that I have now are mentors that I seek out. I look for people who have done things that I want to do. I've looked for people that have created a path on the journey that I'm on that I can learn from, that I can grow from. They have um, exponential experience in a certain area, whether it be writing a book, whether it be running a fitness business, whether it be entrepreneurship as a whole, whether it be starting a whole new vertical of business, um, all of those things. There's people out there that will help you get further faster. And I believe that my circle of mentors, both past and present, are invaluable in my success. I wouldn't be who I am today. And this is why I take such an important stance on mentorship. I have a coaching program, I'm a mentor. I have group programs that people are in. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and mentoring. I believe it's my obligation now to give back all of those things that my grandfather, my coach, Steve Ricks, pain and uncertainty, Lori have shown me all the mentors that I've, that I've, that I've sought out and, and paid to have them mentor me, it's my responsibility now to give back like they've given to me. And so that's what this whole podcast is about. I want you to evaluate your circle of mentors. I want you to see past and present the value of, of the relationships that you've had with people. And I would encourage you to continue to seek mentorship until the day you die for whatever it is that you want to get out of your life. So most of the people that I mentor are just people who know there's a better way. They deserve and desire more out of life. And they just don't quite know how to get in alignment with that. 
And that's what I'm really good at. Just based on the, the my past experiences, my past mentorships that I've had, I'm really good at helping people get in that alignment that they need. And the truth be told, it's never that great of a shift. In all of my experiences where I was out of alignment in my own personal life, it was never this 360 degree, 180, 90 degree, whatever. It was always a very small adjustment that needed to be made. And that's what a mentor is there to do. They're there to see that tiny adjustment that you can't see. And they're, they're going to help you fix that adjustment and move you back into alignment. So continue to seek more, guys. Continue to want more. Continue to desire more. And I'm going to offer you an opportunity right now that's 100% free, no, no strings attached. This is how much I value mentorship and how much I value giving back. If you're tired of navigating the journey alone, then I've got an offer for you. All you need to do is join my free um, Wellness Lab Launchpad. It's a free Facebook group. I'm in there constantly coaching, mentoring, teaching, training, giving you tools, techniques. I answer questions. Um, it is your access to me to get anything you want answered. It's a place of truth. It's a place of honesty. It's a place of respect, empathy, and love. There, you won't find a better group on Facebook. You won't find a better group anywhere. I would challenge you on that. All you have to do, go to my website, go to thriveforeverfit.com, scroll down, you'll see a giant box. Orange tab is going to say join the wellness lab. Click that 100% free, no obligation. If you get in there and you hate positivity, you hate awesomeness, it's not for you, then you don't have to stay. And there's been no obligation. You lose nothing, right? So thank you for listening today, guys. I wanted you to, to learn what I believe is one of the most crucial and pivotal aspects of my success, both professionally and personally. And that is my circle of men. If you know what to do, share it, tell your friends about it, tell your family. So I can give you more of that. All right, guys, I love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I'll talk to you very soon. Be awesome to each other and be awesome to yourself. You deserve it.